Let me take you somewhere. Don't sit down. I don't know why everybody thinks that's so funny. <laughs> he said, don't sit down, y'all. And probably looking around, a half of y'all already sat down. <sighs> Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 18. I love that. Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 18. There was less the second time than the first, but that's all right. I want to read you something. This is where we left off last week. This is where we left off last week with Nehemiah. We finished up chapter 1. We go into chapter 2, but here's what happens in chapter 2. Let me read a few verses, then we'll pause and do some work. But here's what it says. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and I gave it to the king. And I had, I had not been sad in his presence before. So the king asked me, he said, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but the sadness of heart. And I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, what is it that you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city of Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. Somebody say rebuild. rebuild. We're in this series called Rebuild where we're looking at the book of Nehemiah, not a comprehensive study of Nehemiah, just pulling out of Nehemiah some stuff that is pertinent to where our faith is today. Don't forget what Nehemiah is writing about. The, the nation of Israel is lying in ruins. The, the Babylonians came in and ransacked the whole land and they've been destroyed for, for, for 100 plus years. Everything's in ruins. There's rubble everywhere. The, 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 the temple is torn down. The, the, the walls are torn down. Any structure that was, that was upright is now just in rubble. There's relational rubble, occupational rubble, financial rubble because it's all just messed up. How many of you know sometimes we can have some broken down walls in our lives? Are you with me? It's what happens next. Let me just read it. Let me just read it really quick. Verse 6. It says, Then the king said, with the queen sitting beside of him, he asked me, How long will your journey take? And when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me. So I set a time. I also said to him, If it pleases the king, may I have some letters to the governors of Trans-Euphrates so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. And may I have a letter to Asfa, the keeper of the royal park, so that he'll give me some timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall for the residence that I will occupy. And because the gracious hand of God was on me, the king granted my request. Amen. It doesn't say the king... was granting his request because of the king's abilities. It says because God's hand of grace was upon Nehemiah that the king answered. Somebody who's thankful for that grace, say amen. amen. So I went to the governors of Trans-Euphrates and gave them the king's letters. The king had also sent army officers and a cavalry with me. When Sambalat, the Haranite, and Tobiah, the Ammonite, the official, heard about this, they were very much disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. 
verse 11 is where we get our title from. Verse 11 says, I went to Jerusalem. Hold on a second. I went to Jerusalem. Can I give you the title? This is what I want to talk to you about today. Move into what you were made for. And I went to Jerusalem, some 800 miles away from the conversation that he had with the king of Persia. 800 miles. Today, that seems like nothing. Then, move into, somebody say, what you were made for. Today's moving day for somebody. You're about to move into what God has made you for. You're about to move into your destiny. You're about to move into your authority. You're about to move into your breakthrough. You're about to move into your restoration. You're, today is moving day. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, we're about to move. Move into. Move into. Move into what you were made for. You can be seated. Ushers, escort that person out. <laughs> Let me take you somewhere back in the narrative. Something that I just kind of skipped over, but this story almost didn't happen. It almost came off the rails. This story almost came off the rails in verse 2. Look at what verse 2 says. Everybody look at it. Verse 2, it says, verse 2, let me find verse 2. It might help with this. Verse 2, so the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. And then what does he say? I was very much afraid. It almost came off the rails right here because now Nehemiah is no longer talking about the condition of Israel. He's no longer giving a description of the calamity that is happening in Israel. He's giving a description of the calamity that's happening inside of his heart. And I was very afraid, not a little nervous, not a little uncertain. The dude was terrified. To his core, he was terrified. We're going to get into that fear in a few minutes, but he was absolutely rocked to his core. Think about this with me for a moment. Here he is in the context of what is happening, standing before the king full of fear. Why? Because all of the nation of Israel has been ruined by the Babylonians. The Babylonians came into Israel, ransacked the country, destroyed everything, tore the walls down, tore the, the temple down, tore everything down, left it in rubble. They did this, and then they took all three million of the inhabitants of the nation of Israel and took them out of the land of promise and took them to Babylon, took them to Persia, all three million of them, held in captivity, not for seven years, not for 17 years, but for 70 years. Seventy years, the nation of Israel, the promised land, the place that God had given to them, the land that was supposed to be flowing with milk and honey, no longer was flowing with milk and honey. It was flowing with rubble, broken down walls, despair. 
after 70 years, the Persians kind of got tired of the Israelites and told all three million of them, you are now free and you can go back to the land that God gave to you because it's no longer flowing with milk and honey. It's nothing for us to worry about. Go back and take possession of your land. So the three million people, guess what? They didn't go. Only 50,000 went. Only 50,000 goes back to Israel and the 50,000 people were so dejected and so worn out and so tired and, and so fearful and so broken when they got back to the nation, when they got back to this overwhelming work, they knew that they could not do it so they did not rebuild their future. And Nehemiah gets the word. And when the word comes to Nehemiah, Nehemiah is destroyed because of the condition of his nation. But I need you to understand something and remember this. When Nehemiah gets the word that the nation of Israel is destroyed and that the walls are still in ruins, the 50,000 have been back in Israel now for 100 years. 100 years has passed and it's still in the same shape that it was in 100 years before. So now you take the 70 years of captivity and the 100 years that it's just annihilated. And therefore, Nehemiah's heart is rocked to the core. And we remember last week that Nehemiah, once he got this word, he began to pray. The Bible says that he fasted and he mourned. In fact, let me show you something. Look at verse 1. I'm, I'm going to show you this. Verse 1, chapter 2, verse 1 says, In the month of Nisan. Everybody say Nisan. Anybody in here driving Nisan? In the month of Nisan, this is not the automaker, in the month of Nisan, why is this time stamp so important? Why would Nehemiah let us know it's the month of Nisan? Let me give you a little backstory. The reason why he's telling you it's the month of Nisan is because when he found out that there was a great need still in Israel, it was another month. <laughs> And now it's the month of Nisan. And so four months has passed between the time he found out about the condition of Israel to now. When chapter 2 opens up, four months. Four months he's prayed. Four months he's mourned. Four months he's, he's, he's fasted. Four months. He heard a word four months ago. Now he's beginning to act on the word that he heard four months before. Somebody say, when hearing becomes doing. He's now beginning to do something because he's got a word from God. He's heard the word. The word came in the form of a need. The word came in the form of brokenness. He's got a word, and now his feet are beginning to act upon the word that has been placed within his heart. Now hang on for a second because we all want a word from God. Am I right? <laughs> I mean, we come to church on Sundays. We, we tune in online wanting a word from God. God, give me a word. Give me a word in my situation. Give me a word in my circumstance. I need a word from you, God. But sometimes that word doesn't come so neatly packaged. That word doesn't come in just this, this wonderfully packaged way. It's not like sometimes God doesn't say, a lot of times God doesn't say, go to your mailbox. At 3.30 this afternoon, you there you will find an envelope. <laughs> Open up that envelope and you will see the provision. Thus saith the Lord. My God shall supply all of my needs. Woo, he gave me a word. I'm going to be at the mailbox at 3.30. I am not saying God cannot do that. I am not saying God will not do that. 
What I am saying is most of the time, that's just not how God does it. Many times the word that we receive from God comes in the form of brokenness. It comes in the form of a need. And it's what we do inside of that brokenness that causes us to discover what we were meant for. Good God Almighty. So Nehemiah, was, he, was afraid, he was terrified. I'm going to talk about that fear in a minute, but, but let me read you something. This, this, is not, this is not in your notes. This is something that, that I, I'm giving you today because it's free. I'm just giving it to you. Watch this. I wrote this down this morning. Sometimes God will give you a word, and that word will not necessarily dissolve your insecurities, but rather that word will force you to act in the face of your insecurities. Sometimes he'll give you a word, and you're looking for that word to get rid of your insecurities, to get rid of your fear. No, 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 no. Sometimes you're going to be terrified, but you're yet still going to have to act. His word doesn't stop at hearing. It moves into doing. His word always comes in the form of action. His word will not stop at sympathy. It moves into compassion. It's a word. Nehemiah received a word. Somebody say, move into what you were made for. Nehemiah gets this word. And this word, sometimes it requires something deeper than the surface level. Sometimes we need a word that's so much deeper than the surface level. Sometimes we need a word that's deeper than just something that tickles your ear. Sometimes you got to have a word that just pulls at your heart so much so that your feet cannot help but move. The Israelites didn't need another surface level word. They had had plenty of surface level words for 170 years. Words like broken, words like messed up, words like my past is better than my future's gonna be, words like addicted, words like this, words like that, words like I will never be. All of those surface level words, they needed something that was deeper. Can I tell you something? God's word is not advice. If you're looking for advice, then let, just let your fingers do the walking and get on Facebook and ask for all the advice that you want. God's word is not advice. I need you to grab this. God's word is not advice. It's not like take two John 3.16s and call me in the morning. <laughs> that was pretty good right there. God's word is not advice. God's word is an answer. God's word is a, Mike, praise the Lord. Mike, God's word is an answer. Michael, God's word always comes in the form of a solution. When the earth was so dark that you couldn't see your hand in front of your face, God said, let there be. His word comes in the form of a solution. You see, what I'm trying to say to you is that you can, you can still just hang out over here in the broken rubble of, of, of Jerusalem or you can move into what you were made for. You can keep hanging out over here in the brokenness or you can move into this thing called wholeness and restoration. You, 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 can, you can hang out over here. You can hang out with the, the way the last hundred years has looked or you can begin to move into your future. 
You can hang out with, with all of... Listen, you can stay right in the middle of an addiction or you can move into being an overcomer. You can stay right in the middle of your past or you can move into your future. You can stay right in the middle of your anger or you can move into your forgiveness. You can stay right in the middle of all of your problems or you can move into restoration. You can stay in the desert or you can cross over and go into the Jordan. Good God Almighty. Can I get some help up in this place? You can... You can be like Moses and you can hang out with some sheep or you can tell the Pharaoh, let my people go. Good God am I. You can hang out over in Persia or you can run to Jerusalem and say, I'm here because God told me to be here. You got to move into what you were made for. Somebody say, we're moving. Whew. Nehemiah was very much afraid. As he's standing before the king, he was very much afraid. I know that we are not standing before kings not knowing what to do. But sometimes we're standing before kids not knowing what to do. Because everything's happening in real time and we don't have time to consult the manual that they came with. Or we're standing in front of bills that just keep coming and the bank account gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and pretty soon there's a lot of numbers on the other side of the decimal. And you're trying to keep things from going off the, the rail and you're, you're worn out and, and, and just... Listen, I need to speak to every person who is on this side of breakthrough. I want you to listen to me. You are on this side of breakthrough and you are living beneath the plans that you have had for your life and you are just absolutely disengaged. You're, you're broken because of the problem. You, you don't know what to do. You're overwhelmed. You're tired. You're burned out. Can I tell you something? God's about to do something great in your life because everything that the enemy has stolen from you, God's about to restore unto you. God's about to give it back to you sevenfold. God's about to do something so miraculous in your life. Good God. God's about to turn some things around because you may be fearful, but God, but God. So the context here is I was very afraid. Why? Because Nehemiah is the cupbearer. The cupbearer is the head of security for the king. He's one of the top dudes. As head of the security for the king, he makes sure that no one goes before the king in a manner in which is not king worthy. The last line of defense is Nehemiah. The first line of defense is Nehemiah. Nehemiah takes the wine before he gives it to the king and he sips on the wine to make sure nobody has poisoned it. But on this day, he's very, very afraid. Why? Because in that era of time, you would not go before a king with a sad face. Why? Because kings were considered great wonders, like a wonder of the world. And if you went before a king and you had sadness, that just means that you were denying how wonderful they were, so they would put you to death. Nehemiah has seen people be put to death because they came before the king sad. 
So here for four months, four months he has prayed, four months he has prayed that God would change the heart of the king. Notice he didn't try to change the heart of the king. He prayed that God's heart would change. God's heart would change or God would change the king's heart. You know what I'm trying to say. He didn't try to change his heart for four months. He said, God, I need you to change his heart. And he prayed about it for four months. So what was his response? What did he say? What did he say? Look at verse 3. Look at verse 3. Put verse 3 up for me. So I was very much afraid. I was very much afraid. But then, but I... Stop right there. Don't read any further. But I. What he says next determines where he moves to. But I. Somebody say, but I. But I. But I ellipsis. But I. Dot, dot, dot. But I. How many of you know we get caught up in the but I? But I. Here he is before the king but i what will follow the words but but i I, he's been the cupbearer but now he has to be a a builder of people somebody say i am a builder builder. he's called now he's god's placed a word within his heart to go back and rebuild the walls he's been a cupbearer you remember in verse one it says i was a cupbearer past tense now he's a builder he's standing before the king he's got so much fear but i but i but Have you ever thought where God has you? Why, let me say it this way. Why does God have you where he has you? Think about that for a moment. Why does God have you where he has you? Let it set in. Why does God have you where he has you? Nehemiah thought he was a cup bearer. He thought the influence that he had was over the king's court and the protection of the king. But God didn't have Nehemiah there to protect the king. God had Nehemiah there in order to influence the king in order to protect the country. Why do you have the job that you have? It's not for a paycheck. It's so that you can influence that place for the kingdom of God and you just happen to be paid on top of it. Why are you a parent? It's not so that you can spit kids out. It's so that you can tell them of the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ when things become difficult. Let me tell you something. Do you know why some of you are no further in life than where you are? It's about to get good. Everybody move to the edge of your seat. (laughs) Do you know why you're no further in life than where you are? It's because what comes after your butt. (laughs) It's what's after your butt. It's what's coming after your butt. But I can't, but I will not, but I refuse to, but I can't stand this, but I'm so sick of this, but I can't stand them, but I'm so sick of them, 
But I, I, I refuse to. I can't. I've been told. I've heard. I will not be. I never will be. But I'm too short. But I'm too this. But I'm too that. But I'm too tired. But I don't have enough strength. But I will not. But I... Can I tell you why some of you are no further down the road than where you thought you would be? It has nothing to do with the naysayers. It has nothing to do with the rubble. It has nothing to do with your haters. It has everything to do with you have never thrown all of yourself into anything that you are doing. Good God Almighty. I need somebody to hear this up in here. Let me tell you something. Breakthrough is not on sale. Restoration is not something that you get on an aisle in Walmart. You don't just walk up to it and say, there I go. I got restoration. What I'm trying to say to you, if you want to move into what God has for you, it will cost you something. Well, I know I need something today. I need some breakthroughs. I'm going to Walmart. I'll 13. I need some restoration. It's not on sale. You can't get it at Walmart. You can't get it from your wallet. You can't get it from your job. You can't even get it from the king. It's the gracious hand of God. I'm about to preach up in this place. Nehemiah said, but, but I, but I, but I. Nehemiah was so successful as a cupbearer. He was so good as a cupbearer that he had the king's attention. But sometimes success can bring more stress. You know why? Because you're successful at this one thing and you try to duplicate, replicate, reproduce that one thing again and again and pretty soon it doesn't work out like it did the first time or it doesn't feel like it did the first time and then pretty soon the stress that comes from trying to be successful because now you feel unsuccessful how do I illustrate this you probably have never even thought about this so let me just 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 one area one area of my job as a pastor Sunday mornings. We'll talk about Sunday mornings. Just because most of y'all think preachers only work on Sunday, so let's just go with that. <laughs> Sunday mornings. What I have found. After 16 years, you probably think, well, it's got to be easy after 16 years preaching in the same place. It's got to be easy. It just becomes easier. No. After 16 years preaching in the same place, can I tell you something? It is very, very, very difficult because I've used up all my good stuff. <laughs> I'm just saying, I've used it all up. After 16 years of preaching in the same place, and, and I'm like, whew, it's just, and sometimes I find myself on Sunday morning in a place of insecurity because I find myself today just trying to outdo what I did last week. And sometimes I don't. Sometimes it just might not even be good. 
So insecurity comes with trying to chase after success. And what I noticed about Nehemiah is that he's not chasing after success. He's just trying to move into where he was meant for. So he stands before the king. Mm. As a cupbearer, he's successful. But as a builder of people, what? As a builder of when you believe God can do what he says, that's when your butt changes. Did you hear me? Your butt gets smaller when you believe what God says he can do. Y'all don't want to hear this. Some of y'all just over here working out. I've been trying to do ups and downs and trying to, you know. Your, listen. Your butt gets smaller when you begin to believe God can do what he says he's going to do and begin to act on what he said to do. What did he say? Put the next verse, wherever I was at, verse 3, put, put the rest of verse 3 up. So, but I said to the king, may the king live forever. He'd said that a thousand times. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? He didn't stop at the butt. He just kept going. Why should I not be sad? I don't know who I need to talk to in here today, but let, let me prophesy over you. God is saying to you today, don't let the butt of your fear, don't let the butt of your decisions, don't let the butt of intimidation, don't let the, 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 the butt of problems, the butt of your past, the butt of insecurity, the butt of doubt, keep you out of what God has for you because God is saying to you today, if I told you to go, then you go there and you say what I told you to say because there is no door that I open that man can shut and there is no door that I shut that man can open but I'm about to move you into what you were meant for somebody's getting blessed today so what happened after that verse 4 verse 4 look at his response to this fear what did he say the king said to me what is it that you want then I prayed to the God of heaven, and I answered the king. Then I prayed to the God of heaven. Why is he praying? Because think about this. He prayed for four months that when he went before the king and he was sad that the king wouldn't kill him. And it worked. So now he's about to drop the goods on the king. This is what I need. So what does he do? He prays. I don't think he went over to the king and said, okay, I'm glad I got your attention. Can you give me about 45 minutes? I'm going to go over there and pray. No. I, I think he just said a, a really quick prayer like, God, I need your help. God, God, God help me with this. God, give me the words to say. I, I don't know. God, 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 continue to move his heart. God, give me the courage. I don't know what his prayer was. I don't know what it was. God, help me. God, quicken my spirit. I don't know what his prayer was. I don't know what his prayer was. But I've noticed that in my own life, when I don't have time to pray, like I've prayed about something, but now it's time to act. 
And right before I act, I, I, I've just developed this habit. I just say, Jesus. Sometimes I'll say it like three times in a row. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Like, my, my, all of my boys played sports. And like when they're out on the football field, the basketball court, I'm like, you know, something's about to break out. I'm like, Jesus. My youngest son was a quarterback. And when the defensive line was collapsing and the offensive line just moved out of the way and he's running for his life, I'm like, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Like every Sunday morning, I prayed all week. I've worked on my message all week long. I feel like I'm, I'm as ready as I'm ever going to get. I can't ever say that I'm fully ready, but I feel like I'm as ready as I'm ever going to get. And just before I go up on the stage, I, I say, Jesus, Jesus, on the way to the stage, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Somebody say Jesus. 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 Somebody say Jesus. I was waiting on somebody to say Jesus. 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 Woo. The name is the same, but everybody's voice is a little different. And the Bible says that he hears you. He hears your cry. His ear is attentive to it. He knows his sheep by name. Jesus. Somebody say Jesus. Jesus. Oh, hold on a second. So it says that he prayed. Hold on a second. There was something. Go, go back to verse 1. Go back to verse 1. I see no one in production. There we go. In the month of Nisan, at the car dealership in the 20th day, <laughs> King, he gives us his name, Artaxerxes. He's giving us the historical quality. He's giving us the time frame. He's telling us what month it is, what year it is. He's telling us who the king is. He is the cupbearer. So when Nehemiah is standing before King Artaxerxes, he knows that the king has the authority. But he doesn't pray to the king. He prays to God. Why? Because he knows that the king has authority. But God has all authority. And there's another name. <laughs> there's a name Yahweh. There's a name Jehovah. There's a good God Almighty. There's a name Jehovah Jireh. There's a name the first, the last, the beginning, the end, the Lamb of God. There's the name the great I am. There's the name Jesus. Jesus. Somebody get up on your feet. Jesus. 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 There's a name that is greater than any other name And you may have some authority But I know the one who has all authority Verse 5, verse 5 Verse 5 Don't rush me because you're standing up Because i got a couple more things Verse 5, put verse 5 up for me Verse 5 Verse 5, I'll make this quick. Verse 5, if they help me, I'll make this really quick. Verse 5, praise Jesus. This is the second service. Verse 5, <laughs> we already went through this one. There we go. And I answered the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in the sight, let him send me to the city of Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. 
notice something. He doesn't throw the people who have been there for a hundred years under the bus. He doesn't say, they can't do what I can do. They haven't done what they're supposed to do. He doesn't compare what he can do to what they can't do and what he can't do to what they can do. He doesn't do the comparison thing. Can I tell you something? The comparison thing will always keep you out of what God made you for. Skip down to verses 9 and 10. 9 and 10, just for the sake of time. Just go to 9 and 10. 9 and 10. Y'all write that note down later. Verse 9 and 10 says this. So I went to the governors of Trans-Euphrates and gave them the king's letters. The king had also sent an army of officers with me. The cavalry was with me. Verse 10, verse 10. When Sambalat, the Haranite, and Tobiah, the Ammonite, the official heard about this, they were very much disturbed. That someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. When it becomes obvious that God is with you, the enemy will begin to come against you. And notice when they showed up. Michael, you guess when they showed up? They did not show up in the heart stage. They did not show up in the vision stage. They did not show up in the planning stage. They showed up in the progress stage. When it becomes obvious that God is with you, the opposition will come against you. When, when it becomes obvious that you are doing something that God has meant for you to do, that's when the enemy will begin to try to beat you up, beat you down. Wear you out. You'll begin to talk about the job that he gave you that you once loved, but now you don't feel like you love it so much so because you're worn out with it and the people are coming. Listen, can I tell you something? It's only because, listen, if God gave it to you before and you were assured that he gave it to you before, there's a purpose why he has you there. And the enemy is trying to get you off of that purpose. <laughs> the enemy's trying to get you off of that purpose so that you'll focus on that problem. Your influence is greater than you realize. I need you to understand that. Your influence is greater than you realize. The cupbearer, he thought he was a cupbearer. His influence was not just to bear the cup for the, for the king. His influence was, was there to be able to influence the king so that God could begin to use him to change a country. You will accomplish what God has for you when you begin to act on what he said to you. Verses 9 and 10, the rest of 10, when Sam, Harani, Tobiah, go, go on down. Go to, go to verse 11. Go to verse 11. Verse 11. I went to Jerusalem. I went 800 miles away. After staying there for three days, watch this. Somebody say, I went. I, went. I set out during the night with a few others. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart for me to do in Jerusalem. There were no mounts with me except the one that I was riding on. By night, I went out. I went. Somebody say, I went. I went through the valley gate toward the jackal well and the dung gate, examining the walls of Jerusalem, which had been broken down and its gates, which had been destroyed by fire. Verse 14, then I moved. Somebody say, I moved. It's moving day. I moved on toward the fountain gate and the king's pool, but there was not enough room for my mount to get through. So I went up. Somebody say, I went. I went up the valley by night and the, to examine the wall and finally I, I turned back and I re-entered through the valley gate. Verse 16, the officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing because yet, as of yet, I had said nothing to the Jews or the priests or the nobles or the officials or any others who would be doing the work. Then I said to them, 
Then I said to them, you see the trouble that we are in? Everybody's like, yep. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall. And we will no longer be in disgrace. Verse 18. I also told them about the gracious hand of God that was upon me and what the king had said to me. And they replied, let us start rebuilding. Let us start rebuilding. Let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. They began this good work. They began this good work. Look at your neighbor and say, they began this good work. They began this good work. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. You remember he was over in front of the king. He was fearful. He, he was very, very afraid. The king, he had, God had given him influence over the king and now the king is blessing him because of the hand of God being upon him and now a whole nation that hasn't done anything for a hundred years says, let's begin this good work. The whole story, in all honesty, is that someone kept the faith. Paul says, I've run the race. I've kept the faith. If you want to move into what God has for you, you got to keep the faith. I kept the faith when I was down and out. I, I kept the faith when I had lost some things. I, I kept the faith when I ran out of money. I, I kept the faith when I ran out of strength. I, I kept the faith when I was running out of time. I, I kept the faith when everybody said you could not do that. I kept the faith when all of the naysayers said you will never be. I kept the faith when the walls looked like ruin. I believed in God even though I was broke. I believed in God even though I was tired. I believed that God would show up even though I couldn't figure it out. I believe that God was with me even when the enemies surrounded me. So today it's moving day. I'm moving into what God has for me. I'm moving into His blessing. I'm moving into His breakthrough. I'm moving into my destiny. I'm moving into my authority. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise up in this place.